Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Quirks of Creation, the podcast where we dive into weird science, ancient history, and whatever wild and quirky thing God leads us to to experience Him and His glory. My name is Jess Holmes, and normally I would be joined by my favorite proton, Elise, but she's off digging in some weird archaeological site or something today. So I am instead <laughs> joined by Abby Livy from Conspiracy Pills. Welcome, Abby. Hi. Hi. Um, I know that. I know that I'm a disappointment. Um, you are not it, a disappointment. Compared to Stop. Elise, I know that I could never fill her shoes, but I will. I will try my hardest to to make you not too sad to not have her here. Oh, we're so happy to have you here because I mean, there's going to be so much crossover between our shows. I feel like, like on your most recent unhinged episode, you guys were mentioning the flood already and we had just talked about it on our yeah. last episode so i'm excited to have you here and i'm excited for today's topic which is the ocean the ocean the, the ocean the ocean is so cool guys and we know nothing about it <laughs> which is so frustrating because it covers like 71 percent of our entire the earth's entire surface which is like 139 square miles that's just like that's a lot. Yay, chat overlay. I'm excited. Um, yeah, quick update for everybody. Rumble is being like mega weird right now. So we're just going to stream totally to YouTube, kind of give our friends over at YouTube a taste of a full episode. But next week we'll be more on Rumble as usual. I'm excited for all the things that Rumble's doing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. There's going to be growing pains. Yeah. And it, it's just, we're with them, we're on their team. But we figured if there's a chance we go down tonight, we'll just, we'll deign to let YouTube see the show tonight, I guess. Right. And that's not to say we're not still over on Odyssey. We're definitely over there. So mm -hmm. if you want to share your favorite memes or your favorite water puns, you know, we're here for it. Water Let's keep puns. it going. Where is Jeff? Where is Jeff? <laughs> we need Jeff for the water puns tonight. Um. Yeah, I'm excited. So like the ocean is so incredible. Uh, the deepest part of the ocean is called the Challenger Deep. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it's located on the Western Pacific end of the Marianas Trench. And it, it goes way deep. It's like almost 11,000 meters deep, which is like 36,000 feet. Like you could fit Mount Everest in the Challenger Deep and you'd still have room. Like lots of room. Was it was it discovered more recently? Because I was always told the deepest part was the Mariana Trench. Uh, it is the Marianas Trench. So oh, that's just... the deepest part of the Marianas Trench. And it's called the Challenger Deep because it was like, uh, and we'll get into all of it in the 1920s. They went down there with a submarine called the Challenger. But yeah, okay. we'll get okay. more into those details. Just kind of giving like a brief overview. And the... I, I don't know if I'd call it a governing body. I, I guess a research body like the National Science Foundation for oceans. It's called the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration or NOAA. So if you hear me say NOAA, that's what I'm talking about. The puns have already started. <laughs> yep. already started. I'm here for it. We're getting real deep tonight. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I feel for our audio listeners, you guys need to come over to YouTube and Rumble to get all of the great puns yeah. and all of the great photos I'm going to have tonight. There's going to be photos. There's going to be videos. This is going to be very much a visual podcast tonight. Um, 
So get ready for it, guys. And I, I just want to pose a little bit of a question. So we have explored the surface of Mars. Like we have those rovers that go all over the surface of Mars. We have taken photos of millions and millions of light years away in space. Why are we still so afraid of exploring the ocean? Why haven't we invested more in exploring our own oceans? Didn't NASA used to be a, an ocean exploratory thing? Yeah. And then they were like, just kidding. We're going to space. Yeah. Like, but why though? What? <laughs> and we'll get into the things we do know because that is part of this. We want to talk about the things we do know. So it's just some kind of things I want you to talk away in the back of your mind while we're thinking about it. Well, the first thing people always think of is cost. It's expensive to build these things and explore these things. Uh, you got to have enough public interest to get funding for certain scientific endeavors. That I know <laughs> as having experience in scientific research, uh, you have to have something so someone will pay you to do it and mm. there's enough interest in it. And it seems like generally speaking, there is more interest in going to space than there is in exploring our own ocean. But why are we just not pitching it well enough? Uh, are people just simply afraid of it? Uh, and I mean, it's a difficult challenge. Like the pressure is nothing to, um, they dove too deep. Oh my gosh, you guys are killing me. But but I feel like they did. I mean, okay. <laughs> they were exploring the ocean and then they found something and now they want off the planet like you guys. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you know, considering some of the uh, creatures we will talk about tonight, I can't say I blame them for being a little angsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if we just think about like the experience of going deep into the ocean, we always hear of something called the bends. Uh, mm. And that's basically when you rise up too quickly from a very high pressure uh, state. Because when you dive deeper down, the gas in your blood becomes more soluble. So that means that nitrogen and oxygen is better dissolved in your blood. And Henry's law tells us that as you start to relieve that pressure, it becomes less soluble. So you're basically creating a soda pop in your blood veins. And as you can imagine, that is very painful. And it can cause bad things to happen if you do yeah. that too quickly. Um, I've never heard someone describe it as soda pop. That's horrifying. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've always been really kind of horrified by the bends. And I don't know why I think I read too many books where characters got the bends or watched too many documentary dive documentaries because yeah. I was really into dive documentaries when I was a kid. <laughs> That's really cool, though. Well, and I, yeah, I can't say I blame you. It's kind of scary. I mean, you can die from it because it's basically could make your blood vessels all burst because of that sort of soda pop effect. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's reasonable concern, but it's not like there's not other concerns we get in space and we've learned how to circumvent those. I mean, people are out right now on the national space station yeah so i don't know but we'll get we'll get into it so let's talk about some of the cool things that we've seen in the ocean and one of the oldest uh i want to talk about is a weird phenomena called the milky sea effect have you ever heard of the milky sea effect i haven't okay so the milky sea effect 
is caused by bioluminescent bacteria. Oh. Yeah. Isn't it so pretty? I've heard of bioluminescent bacteria. Uh, I love it. So the phenomenon used to be known as, I'm going to say this wrong, Mariel. And this okay. term is derived from the Old Norse word Morelder, which is a compound of mar, which means sea, and elder, which means fire. Which I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. It looks like yeah. the sea is burning with like a blue fire. Yeah. Um, and this phenomenon used to like mystify sailors because as they would sail through portions of the sea the ocean would start to like glow and (laughs) yeah like weird religious things would be connected to it and you know as we got to learn more we learned that it was caused by bioluminescent bacteria i just think it's so pretty i want to show you guys just like here is kind of an image of a huge portion of these bioluminescent bacteria in the sea. Like that's a lot. That's really big. It's really big, but it's so pretty. And just to kind of visualize it a little bit more, here's it in action. I would love to see this in person. What is the difference between this and bioluminescent algae? This is bioluminescent algae. Oh, okay. So it's okay. So this is Noctilica centillions. It's a dinoflagellate, a.k.a. algae. Um, but we didn't know much about how it worked until about 20 years ago. Um, so basically what it does is they're communicating with each other. They're releasing a chemical and talking with one another. And that chemical is what's giving off light. Wow. So we're basically seeing them talk to each other. I see words. <laughs> I see. I love see it. It's words. beautiful. It's beautiful, right? And this gave us the discovery of quorum sensing, the idea that bacteria and algae can communicate to each other by releasing chemicals. Wow. And uh, during our first episode, we talked about how chemicals can kind of be this language of communication. And yeah. uh to me, I don't know. I feel like molecular language is like one of those secret languages of God because it's so hidden, but it's also like so beautiful in small ways. Like, like just with this, they're using chemicals to talk to each other and they're lighting up so bright. I don't know. It's really cool. I love it. Yay. But you know, I bet the milky sea probably tastes pretty gross. Uh, but you know what doesn't taste gross is North Arrow coffee. Oh, what a transition. <laughs> Thank you. Ah! So, North Arrow coffee is absolutely delicious. It's five-star, microwavable, and pro-life. So make sure you <laughs> donate 15% of all proceeds. Don't drink the Milky Sea. Drink North Arrow coffee instead. I'm sure mine looks like a Milky Sea because of how much cream I put in it. I, ha- um, I have to brag for a minute about about how I have changed this company for the better question mark <laughs> the better rob texted me the owner of the company texted me he's like abby why did you order coffee of the month th- three small bags <laughs> and i was like well because i i wanted enough that i didn't you know i would get enough coffee for the month right but like the next size up was like too big so i did three small ones and he's like i am literally going to invent a two pound bag for you yes. there was no two pound bag in the shop and now there is 
I can't tell you how grateful I am for your activism in North Arrow Coffee (laughs) because I'm definitely going to order that. Guys, seriously, they're not just a sponsor. We love this coffee. We seriously Mm -hmm. drink it every day. So good. I would hook it up to an IV and put it in my veins if I could. Um, But yeah, it's awesome. And they donate. 15% 15% of all proceeds uh, to pro-life charities. So go support them. Use code HawkHound at checkout to get 10% off your order uh, and give them some love and drink their delicious coffee and not the Milky Sea. Don't drink that. Can't say I recommend that. You probably get sick. So another cool phenomenon I want to show you is called the perfect holes. Look at that. What is that? Do you see... The little, the little perfect holes. They're like but, all uniform. What is just, So these were discovered in July, on July 23rd in 2022. So this is very recent. And they're a sublinear set of holes punched perfectly into the seafloor for 1.6 miles. What? Yeah. It's just like, what? And they were spotted uh, by a crew working with NOAA uh, and... And they were investigating the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which is a mostly unexplored region of the seafloor. And it's close to part of the world's largest mountain range. And the holes, I I mean, as you can see here, are in a perfectly straight line. And they're kind of like surrounded by these tiny mounds of sediment. And ironically, this isn't even the first time that weird holes like this have been spotted in the ocean. And 2004, U.S. Marine Fishery Services also spotted some mysterious hollows in the ocean floor during a dive. And no one knows why. Okay. It's mermaids, isn't it? It's mermaids. Okay, so so here are some theories. Uh, Cracks in the floor surface made by escaping gas. I mean, okay. That's kind of boring, though. Uh, Underwater human craft digging for treasure. Like you'd think, like a what are those things called where they scoop up dirt? Oh, I don't an, an es- excavator. An excavator, but it's like they just stuck the claw in and then didn't keep digging. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> uh, another one is ants. <laughs> ants. Yeah, I don't get it. Underwater ants. Underwater <laughs> ants. And of course, the usual aliens. You know, it's probably aliens. But my favorite theory is starfish doing cartwheels. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's definitely it. I will accept no other explanation. <laughs> like, they're so perfectly spaced. I bet they could get five. You know, it has to be the starfish. It's got to be cartwheels. starfish. Yep. Um, so I just thought that was really cool and really interesting. And it gave me an excuse to talk about the Mid Atlantic Ridge and uh, starfish doing cartwheels. Um, <sighs> It's a site that is frequented by a lot of earthquakes because of the way the tectonic plates are aligned. And it's, like I said earlier, it's the largest mountain range in the world. And it's underwater. And it's basically totally unexplored. Why why has this part not been explored where other parts have? Just That's interest? the question. And that's a question I'm going to keep coming back to a lot tonight. It's like there, we see these little glimpses like this. This is cool. Let's dig deeper. Let's learn more. Hmm. Why aren't we learning more? 
<laughs> I like what Frida says. Starfish confirmed. 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 All right. I think you'll like my next interesting find in the ocean mm. because the ocean isn't just filled with sea creatures. It's filled with mysterious artifacts. Ooh. That shape's kind of interesting. It was picked up by a sonar in 2011 and in the Baltic Sea. And they were like, oh, that's a weird shape. It's very regular. It's very circular. That doesn't seem natural at all. So they wanted to get a closer look. That what? looks suspicious. How big is this? It is 70 meters long or 210 feet. And it is about 300 feet beneath the water. And electronic devices stop working near it. It's a, it's a megalith. A megalith? What's a megalith? A, a very large at Stonehenge. And oh, Stonehenge. Okay. The, like megalithic structures, pyramids, th- things that are really big and stony. <laughs> oh, okay. I like it. Yes, uh, some people were saying, it's an alien artifact. I mean, it looks like the Millennium Falcon. It really does. Right? <laughs> but with stairs on the side there? But with stairs, right? This is the only really clear shot I could find of it. Wow. Right. <laughs> Fred is like, I don't like that. <laughs> I, don't like that. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> it's very unsettling. And again, no information about it. It's just like, it's there. When people don't want to look at something, there's there's only two reasons, right? They right. they already know what it is. And they so, don't want you to know. And they don't want you to know. Or they're really scared to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because how does something that interesting not get a ton of people flocking to it, tons of funding? Right. How is that not like one of those tourist sites where people are just like surrounding it 24-7 and like you you have to set up guards or something to keep people away from it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I guess one of the advantages there is that it's uh, underwater, like very deep underwater. Sure. But still, like there are people who know how to scuba dive. Right. There are people who've tried to search for sunken treasure and, you know, Noah's had to chase people off for that. <sighs> but not that. Or maybe they are and we just don't know about it. Doesn't make the news. Which brings me to my favorite weird phenomenon, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> so what do you know about the Bermuda Triangle, Abby? Um, it is triangular. <laughs> that is in fact true. It's it's this place in the Caribbean, right? Right yes. down there. So to be exact, it is between Florida, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. So this okay. sort of area here. And there's like debate as to how wide the triangle is. Maybe it mm. bleeds over into the Gulf. Mm. But this is the normal consensus, this particular area right here. It's I know that a disproportionate number of both planes and boats go missing in this area for really unknown reasons. Right. Um, it, it gets mysterious. It's about where, where Amelia Earhart went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's tons of theories I think about why, but it's it is a hotspot. It's it's a 
hotspot for ocean paranormal activity, basically. Yeah, 100%. About 50 ships and 20 airplanes have disappeared in total that we know of. Mm-hmm. So those are just the ones we know of that have gone missing. Uh, and I would be here all night if I talked about all of the weird disappearances. So I'm just going to mention a few because I think they're really interesting. And, you know, it's always fun to talk ghost stories. And the the most weird part about it is that they will just straight up disappear. There's no wreckage. Right. There's no bodies. There's just nothing. It's like they were there and now they're not. <laughs> it's so strange. It is. So uh, the first known disappearance is of the HMS at, at Atlanta. Uh, and it was previously called the HMS Juno. So on November 7th, 1879, the at Atlanta left Portsmouth for a training voyage with over 280 people on board. That's a lot of people. Uh, And early on, uh, yellow fever broke out. So they decided to take a stop in Bermuda, just kind of like rest up, get everybody back on board. And then on January 29th, there was a huge storm recorded. And the vessel was never found again. The wreckage was never discovered. No bodies were ever found. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, it was just a big storm that blew it away. Just a big storm that blew it away. Yeah. But to nowhere. But to nowhere. That blew it away to nowhere. (laughs) To nowhere. Uh Uh-huh. That... It's a little bit of a more challenging excuse to use for the USS Cyclops, which is another one that went missing. So this is not like your rickety clipper ship anymore. This is a, you know, a proper steel uh, ocean craft, right? And the Cyclops was nearly 550 feet long with a crew of 306 people and around 11,000 tons of manganese on board. So (laughs) manganese is really cool because it is one of the primary components used in steel building. It is the fifth most abundant metal in their crust. So it's not like they were attacked by pirates or anything at this time, just like trying to get the supply of manganese, right? Right. Very just common cargo. Right. Just common cargo. Um. What I find interesting is that manganese is not magnetic by itself, but when combined with other metals like aluminum, antimony, copper, things like that, it can result in alloys that are very heavily ferromagnetic. So that's like an extremely strong magnet. So it can be useful in magnets. I I just find that very interesting. Okay. Um, And they left Brazil all loaded up, ready to go to Barbados. And the last known message from the ship said, weather fair, all is well. And they were never heard from again. Wow. So you can't blame a storm on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, whatever happened either happened so quickly that they didn't have time to radio or something interfered with the radio so that they never got a signal through. Right. Right. Those are the only options. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy. There was like zero SOS. Like even if there was a storm of some kind or like you could see a storm coming, you would let someone on land know. It's just weird. Yeah. You you would think there's there's very little that could have popped up so quickly that they couldn't have done something about it, said something about it. 
Unless it was full interference. Right. It would have had to been all at once, basically. Right. And the last weird one I want to talk about is Flight 19. So at 2.10 p.m. on December 5th on 1945, five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers uh, took off from Naval Air Base at Fort Lauderdale for a routine training flight. So this is a training flight they had done hundreds of times before. You know, it was 1945, just getting out of World War II or during World War II era. I want to say 50s, 45, 45. Yeah. Right after, right after. Um, so yeah, they're just kind of overcoming that you still want your military to be ready. All of these guys were like veteran flyers. They'd seen action before, especially Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor. He was an extremely experienced pilot. So you would think that these guys know what they're doing, right? But on one return flight, Taylor became convinced that his compass was malfunctioning and that his plane had been flying in the wrong direction for hours. He was convinced he had gotten lost over the keys, which is way off from the uh, course he had originally planned to get back to Fort Lauderdale. And so that he and his flight just kind of flew around in this day's confusion. There were reports that this weird fog had stored kind of surrounded them like this big gray haze Mm. and then when their fuel began to run low taylor was like trying to prep his men for a potential crash landing in the ocean Mm. Uh, just to read the quote from the article all planes close up tight he said we'll have to ditch unless landfall when the first plane drops below 10 gallons we all go down together and then they said that there was a few minutes later all there was was static hmm yeah. Very. Yeah. The the confu- A lot of the stories involve massive confusion. And you know what's worse? They sent out a search party immediately after that, and the the Mariner flying boats that went to find them disappeared. What? Yup. So more than one, like the entire search party, also yep. went missing. Also went Holy missing. Holy crap. Yeah, but it's crazy because, like, people take cruises through this area all the time. That seems like a great plan. Right. <laughs> it's it's just, yeah, it's crazy. So just some of the theories, some say it's a matter of odds. Like I said, people take cruises through here all the time. The Bermuda Triangle is one of the most traveled places in the entire world as far as the ocean goes. Oh, So... Is it just like a matter of rolling the dice? But if it was, you would find wreckage. You'd think. You'd think. You'd think. If it was just the number of missing things, I think you could you could chalk it up to, to just frequency of travel. But the right. the lack of wreckage, the <laughs> yeah, that it starts to get weird. And sometimes like Sometimes you hear a story and you have an instinct that something is really weird and off about it, right? You're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's really creepy and weird. And then you backfill reasons to not right. think that. Like, you can backfill reasons to to not think the Bermuda Triangle is weird, but we all know it's weird, right? Right. Right. It is definitely weird. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go? I want to go. Let's go. 
Let's go. We'll take a Hawkhound cruise through the Hawkhound Bermuda Triangle cruise. and no one will hear from us again. Based. <laughs> There's another fe- theory called oceanic flatulence, what? which is <laughs> when methane gas erupts from ocean sediments. Now, that's a real thing, but I don't think you can use it to explain disappearances like, okay, it knocks over a boat, right? Because it causes harsh waves. Uh huh. But that's not going to make it disappear. How does that affect a plane? Is the methane making people confused? Is that what they're trying to say? No, they're not even saying that. They're just saying that the flatulence makes the ocean, uh, what am I trying to say? More angry. You know, the waves get really intense. Yeah. This sounds like a a real reach. (laughs) Right. That's what I'm saying. And like the bubbles are big. So it it could cause some pretty big waves, but that's not going to be enough to get a plane. So obviously what's hap- obviously what's happening is these people are discovering Atlantis and they're being taken into Atlantis and it's it's they have a good life, right? Right. But but Atlant the Atlanteans are like, you you can never be allowed to leave. You can't leave. Or look at these clouds. What? They're shaped like hexagons. And these clouds are referred to as air bombs. They move at 170 miles per hour and most commonly form you guessed it above the bermuda triangle what i don't understand some people have said that like this is how uh, kind of like the nucleus of how a hurricane might start okay but then you would experience similar disappearances or similarly shaped clouds and other places in the world that have hurricanes or typhoons. Right. You don't. Of course not. Of course not. Why would you? <sighs> That's the thing. Like you can you can come up with reasons to not think that the Bermuda Triangle is real, but it doesn't really add up. Right. Right. So then of course you get all of the other theories, like there's a disruption in the geomagnetic lines of flux, extraterrestrials are capturing humans for study, the the influence of the lost city of Atlantis. Uh, the one I think could be interesting. Let me pull up this image because people have debated this. That's the wrong image. Have you heard of the crystal pyramids? Yes, of <laughs> Bermuda. It is so weird because so many people want to say, oh, that's not real. And this comes back to what we were saying earlier about people not investigating things. No one has investigated this. No one has tried to follow up on it. It was just one scientist with a sonar that found these crystal pyramids and the Bermuda Triangle. Is that supposed to be a, a photograph? It's a image reconstruction from the sonar. And they say it's about 2,000 meters in the abyssal zone. So you wouldn't even have the light from the surface reflecting okay. down far enough to actually reach the pyramids. You'd have to send someone down with a proper submarine and lights to actually see it. That's pretty far down. So I can kind of Mm. see why people 
haven't gone down there. But with how many disappearances there have been in this area, right. you would think we would do just a little bit more digging. It, I find it hard to believe that this is a funding issue. There, I'm, there's right. got to be plenty of rich people who would be who would be willing to fund this. You would think, right? Yeah, I, I just, get that academia can be really awful about not letting anybody do work that questions the popular narratives. But just, I mean, money controls money controls research. Yep. I have to admit, when I first, because I looked into this when I was researching my Atlantis episode, and mm-hmm. I didn't think there was anything to it. it. It sounded maybe more like somebody who was capitalizing on the Atlantis craze who right. who did this hoax. But at the same time, there's something about the concept of finding pyramids somewhere unexpected that I think is resonant for a reason. Mm-hmm. It, it's like that there are a few that we know of and we seem to keep finding them right in the jungle somewhere. Um, I think that they're too big and too incredible to think that there's only a couple of them. It's one of those things where like, right. if, if, if there was, on, if there was one, there's gotta be more. Cause why would this ever exist if it wasn't done a lot? I guess. And it's one of those things that surpasses cultures. I mean, mm. we see them in Egypt. We see them in middle Middle America, you know, Mesoamerica. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. So why would we think that they might not also be yeah. under the sea? We know the sea level has changed throughout history. If you follow uniformitarianism, you believe that the sea level has drastically changed throughout history. You believe that geography has drastically changed throughout history. So why wouldn't you think? That there could be pyramids beneath. Right. The and wave. why wouldn't you wanna why wouldn't you wanna research? Why wouldn't you wanna find your right. missing links? Like if you found a place where humans lived before, wouldn't you wanna go and find <laughs> I don't even know. I know. So so that's just the weird phenomena piece. Let's talk okay. about the weird creature piece. Because I, I like the weird creatures. Part. Yeah. So there are some weird creatures out there. And the first one I want to talk about is called the immortal jellyfish. What? Right? When I heard of this thing, I was like, immortal? That, that has to be like, you know, oh, it just like lives really long. So you feel like it's immortal, right? And I mean, we humans have been trying to answer the question, how do you live forever since the dawn of time? Basically, uh-huh, uh-huh. part of what led to the fall. But this special jellyfish seems to have figured it out. I'm going to butcher the Latin here. Turritopsis dorini. I'm going to put it in the chat, see if someone can do better. Um, But it was discovered in the Mediterranean in 1883. And this has been stumping people for forever. So... Most jellyfish have three forms, right? You have the medusa, which is the classic jellyfish body. Mm -hmm. And then you have the polyp stage when they're very young. This species goes through a third phase where it goes through this sort of weakened phase called the cyst stage, where the whole body transforms into a cluster of uncharacterized tissues. Basically, their stem cells just kind of revert into random other cells. 
And then it transforms back into the polyp stage. What? So then it can go back to the Medusa stage. It, it reincarnates. It reincarnates. And scientists couldn't believe this because they had some in a tank, right? And they're, they noticed that some of the Medusas disappeared and there were some polyps at the bottom of the tank. And they were like, oh, that's kind of weird. I guess they bred or something. But then where's the body of the dead adults? You know? And so then they just put cameras on it and watched them very closely and saw this process happen. <laughs> uh, it sh- I, I'm going to say it's pronounced Turritopsis dorni. Turritopsis dorni? Dorney? Dorney. Like yeah, because you would just silent, silent the H. Oh, okay. But it would make it a hard O. Okay. I believe. I like it. I took Greek, but... yeah. Latin's Latin's actually not too far off some of the Greek stuff. Yeah. I think they're related. So yeah, this thing is super weird. And I think it has a lot of interesting possibilities, right? So here's a kind of a graph of the life cycle here. <laughs> I love so, right, graph. <laughs> right. You got your polyp, kind of grows up, turns into our typical jellyfish. And then instead of getting fertilization, it just kind of reverts back into the polyp stage. It repurposes and regenerates itself in a process called transdifferentiation, which is a mechanism in which fully mature and differentiated cells switch into a new type of cell. Like, could you imagine if we knew how to do this? This is alchemy. Right. This is yeah. this is the basis of what they wanted to do with alchemy because the whole theory behind alchemy it wasn't just that these ancient scientists magicians wanted to change lead into gold or something else into gold. Right. Like that was the surface level thing that they said they were working on, but at the base of it they were like if we could change one substance, if we could figure out how to change one substance into another substance, we could do anything. We could right. change sick cells into healthy cells we could we could we could figure out how to live forever and that's what this thing is doing it's changing the cells exactly the way that that they wanted to figure out right oh my goodness clay time lord jellyfish time lord jellyfish exactly what it is i love it i mean it literally regenerates that's the language they use when talking about the immortal jellyfish freda i'm in my immature medusa era (laughs) Hashtag relatable. Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. It's just so crazy because I just sit back and think of how creative and, you know, kind of how cheeky God is. It's like, I know you want to know how to live forever. I'm going to make this jellyfish live forever. (laughs) And you're never going to figure it out. (laughs) It's so like I'm looking at photos right now. It's so surreal looking. I mean, right. it really does look like an alien from another planet, like lit up from the inside. Is it bioluminescent as well? I didn't look to see if it was bioluminescent. All the pictures of them seem like it probably is because they're so clear. Yeah. Everything I've seen, it seems to have an internal light, but it, it, <laughs> it's so weird. Amazing. I love it. I love it. And that's not even the weirdest creature oh, for oh, tonight. Okay, okay. I love it. Um, one that's, I don't know, it's just different. This is called Ice Fish City. What? 
So this is a breeding colony of 60 million fish that was discovered in Antarctica's ice-covered Weddell Sea. And, I mean, this colony is so big, it could cover Waco, Texas. What? Right? I'm so confused. They're just making these nests. And it's like, and I love the name of it. Of these fish, they're called Nejo Neopagetosis Iona. They're called Jonah's ice fish. Jonah's ice fish. Right. Uh, which, and they have these weird see-through skulls. Let me see if I can pull up another one. So just are, like, they, are they living? Yeah, they're living. But they're in the ice. This, yeah, they're underneath the ice. Okay. Right. Because you have the ice layer in Antarctica and then you have the ocean underneath. Uh, Zola says, what happens in Ice Fish City stays in Ice Fish City. (laughs) That's right. You don't mess around with Ice Fish City. And these fish are so crazy because they have to survive at these extremely low temperatures. They basically evolved an anti-freezing protein in their blood. Of course they did. did. Uh, So their blood is transparent. And it stops ice crystals from growing in their blood. Yeah, and their Amazing. nests. Let me pull up a video of the nests. Are do made we see out them of... anywhere else in the world, or is this a nope. specific to? Whoa. Yeah, these these things are just crazy. Yeah, so it kind of shows wow. you like the location of them. Wow. So yeah, they're they're wild. I just think they're so neat. Freda says, that fish looks like it could kill you and make it look like an accident. (laughs) It kind of does though, right? I mean, if you're a fish and you're living in the big city, you got to look kind of fierce. And like I said earlier, I feel for our audio listeners, you guys are missing out on some really good videos and photos today. Should definitely tune in on YouTube or Rumble. And I don't know. I just like it that even fish know how to live in a community and have a stay-at-home parent because those are definitely two fish nests. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like all the weird stuff is always being found in Antarctic, too, because let me show you this ancient shark. Ancient shark. Oh. That looks like a freaking old shark, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a half-blind shark that is typically thought to live in freezing Arctic waters and scavenge on polar bear carcasses and stuff. Okay. Um, but it turned off, turned up off the coral reef in Belize. Oh, okay. He's very far from home. Uh, these are called Greenland sharks, and they're people say they're an enigma to science. Because they're very rare. They tend to be seen moving in frigid waters. They're very slow moving and slow growing. And people, est- people, I say people, scientists estimate that they live upwards of 400 years. That would make them the longest living vertebrate known to science. Wow. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> 
things living really long, animals that can outlive humans have always fascinated me. Yeah. Giant tortoises. I love giant tortoises. Fascinating. I got to see one in Africa. Um, very, very old one. Very, very big. Didn't really want to come out of its shell or do anything, but it, you could have, I was, uh, you could sit on it and ride it. Like it was, it was really big. Fascinating that an animal could just exist for, for, <laughs> for that long. Right. And it, it just makes you wonder, like, what about them allows them to live so long? And often they live for so long. And they're so big and they're so slow moving. And, and we'll get into some bigger creatures a little bit later. Um, but this is not the only time that an ancient species was uncovered. Have you ever ho- heard of a colacanth before? Yes. Yes. I love the colacanth. It's so cool. It's so weird. It's basically like a living dinosaur. So this fish was thought to have gone extinct 65 million years ago. which is crazy they had only ever seen it through fossils let me see if i can get a better there we go there's our colacanth actually alive so a few days before christmas on 1938 a colacanth was caught at the mouth of the chalumna river off the east coast of south africa and the fish was caught in a shark gill net by a fishing crew who had no idea how significant this find was they were just like that's a weird fish. We should probably turn <laughs> into the boss. And so it's bizarre enough that they found one and they didn't find another one until 60 years later. Holy in July, God. In 1998, a was caught in a deep water shark net by local fishers wow. off of a volcanic island in southern Indonesia. It just goes to show that you never know what's down there. Like there's right. so much space for things to be down there. And so... I think it's way more easy for things to escape notice than anybody thinks. Right. Which brings me to the the one everybody likes to talk about, but we've never found, and that's Megalodon. Megalodon. I love Megalodon. Megalodon, the, the ins- well, that's not the inspiration for Shark, for all of Shark Week, but we love to talk about it during Shark Week. So Megalodon is like the super shark, right? Bigger than the great yeah. white. Could eat great white for a snack. Yeah. <laughs> they say it can get up to like 50 feet or something like that. What is the... I, I saw a TikTok recently. I don't know if you saw this one, but basically somebody found a blue whale mm-hmm. that had looked like it had been bitten in half. Let me pull that because I know you sent it to me. I've been told that that is fake. But it... <sighs> <laughs> it's always fake, right? Yeah, it's always conveniently fake. Conveniently fake. Oh my god! Like this is why I like joking about the platypus, right? Right. This is why I like denying the platypus's existence because it's weird, and then pretending that every every image is fake because I feel like that's what people do. They don't want to believe something is real, and so they're just like, "Well, yeah, it's it's just fake. You didn't actually see it. You don't actually know what you're talking about." Can you send me the link? I can't seem to pull my TikTok up for some reason. Oh, no. Um, um, let me see. That's okay. All right. You oh, keep talking. Wait. I'll, I'll here, find it. I'm sure of it. Let's, here we go. Here's the whale. That, okay, yeah, that's better than the This is a TikTok. different whale. Yeah. And oh. it definitely looks like it has some chunks taken out of it. Like its whole tail is gone. Um, and that's not the first time. 
a giant whale has washed up on shore, bitten up. Like, it looks pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Afraid. I don't like that either. Don't like to look at dead things. Um, It's weird, though, right? And that's not the only sort of thing. People have suggested that maybe they've caught glimpses of it under the water. (sighs) Now, that's not Megalodon. That's a basking shark. But if the basking shark could exist. Right. I mean, you know. There's just so many possibilities of things being underneath the waves. Yeah. I yeah, I can't find I can't find it, but Oh wait. Okay. Oh my gosh, a stupid ad. Yeah, I, I um, I've got one. It, this is you got one. Okay, this is a little bit rough. It, you might want to once it's pulled up, you might want to avert your eyes. If yeah, you're, if if you're oof, yeah, that one is rough. If you're sensitive to dead whales, definitely avert your eyes. But that that is a rough bite. That is yeah. a big bite. I guess, and you could argue that that might have been a whole bunch of sharks all with like a bunch of little bites rather than one big one. But still, anytime a shark can take down a whole whale and then doesn't finish it, that's weird to me. Right. That's weird to me. Yeah. It it implies to me that the whale is trying to get away from it and goes into the shallows and the shark is too big to follow. That's what it implies. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, people have found giant shark teeth. There have been supposed sightings. And it's just like, again, like with the crystal pyramids, people just aren't investigating. There's so many weird things out there. Why aren't we looking a little bit harder? Yeah. I I, I come back to, like, you can say that there's limited research funds there's limited research bandwidth we can only do so much but we're spending tons of time doing like silly frivolous research things and and things that are like there was that one about the shrimp on the treadmill do you remember that <laughs> no like for researching shrimp running on a treadmill it's like if you could do that you could look you at could that actually megalodon. Explore the ocean you wow. could look into the crystal you- <gasps> Wow. Uh, and there's so many creatures we have found, like the anglerfish. The anglerfish is uh, freaky and weird. It has that little lantern thing dangling off its head. Hey, Britta. Love you, too. There's the cuttlefish. I mean, there's just, like, so much that we've found this one really gets me. Have you heard of the barrel eye fish? No. This thing has a transparent head. Oh, I don't it's, like it. It's an alien. I don't, I don't like it either. I don't like it. 
So this is one of the ones that lives in the Marianas Trench. And it's like, its eyeballs can look through its own skull. Wow. It's like God. And that's what a. <laughs> yeah. God go just ahead. made everything weird and strange and put it in the ocean. <laughs> it's like he had a box of spare parts and he's just like, eh, these go together in the ocean. <laughs> That is the I like you could make a big argument for why would we why would we try to explore space before we've finished exploring our own planet? Like what, what's that right? about? That's what I want to know. We basically have a whole alien universe in our own oceans. Yeah. So much history potentially down there, so much biology, so much Yeah. Like y- you can make an argument that there are so many potential applications for medicine. There are so many things that you could find that would better humanity in some way. Why wouldn't you go looking there? Right. You're not going to find anything in space to help you. That's the thing. All the things that we need for like, like you were saying, for medicine, for understanding ourselves are here. Why are we trying to look somewhere else? I just don't get it. Yeah. Not that I, uh, not that I wouldn't get. If somebody offered me a trip to Mars, I would take it. Like I would. Mm-hmm. Not that right. I'm not a big yeah. fan of space travel and NASA and all that, but yeah, that's not to say that space isn't interesting. I'm just saying that the ocean is also interesting, and right. we don't seem to care. Exactly. Exactly. Why? <laughs> Suspicious. Why? Yes, it is major sus. Uh, so the last creature I want to talk about before we switch is called blue 52 which is said to be the world's loneliest whale (gasps) i know this is an individual whale of an unidentified species that calls out at an unusual frequency so most whales uh, have uh, about 10 to 39 hertz when they have their whale song this whale gets up to 52 hertz and it's kind of hard for our ears to pick up the difference so here's its song it's high it's very high it just sounds so sad and they people have been tracking this whale and it's the only one that's like that it makes me want to cry (laughs) i know it sounds so sad so they don't know what species it is yeah just the only one it's the only one and it's outside the range. I know. What if it's the only one of its species and that's why it's so lonely? That's so sad. <laughs> so freaking sad. So, yeah. So, let's talk about the Marianas Trench. I know I've been saving okay. this one because this one is so cool. Um, so, the Marianas Trench we mentioned is the deepest part of the ocean. It's a crescent-shaped hole in the Pacific Ocean that's almost 3,000 kilometers deep, like, thousands of miles long um or sorry wide and then 36 miles 36,000 miles deep oh my gosh okay like too many numbers <laughs> so it is freaking deep just just to give you a scope here, here here's a graph you know i like i like me some graphs oh yeah so, so here's the normal continental shelf. This is the epipelagic zone. This is where sunlight hits. Then you hit the mesopelagic zone, which is the twilight zone, mm-hmm. uh, the bath of 
pelagic zone starts to get a little bit darker and then you hit the abyss so like this is no light touches here so basically anything that doesn't need sunlight can survive down here you have some extremely high pressure this is supposedly the depth that the Titanic rests. Uh-huh. And then you get the Hadal zone, like literally named after Hades because it's so freaking deep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why not? Of course. Right. And this right here would be the cutoff for the height of Mount Everest. So you can fit a little bit more. Wow. Right. <laughs> right. It's hard yeah, to understand ju- the scope ju- of that to get a little bit of a better understanding for the scope. So like we can swim here, pro scuba diver can swim kind of up here. Then you get a little bit deeper. This is the deepest free dive. And then you get a little bit deeper giant squid kind of in the mesopelagic zone. You get some turtles and then you get way deeper. And once you get to the abyssal zone, this is when you get the weird creatures like the angler fish, like the benthic comb jelly. Uh-huh. And then you get all the way to the bottom. And it's like only microscopic organisms can live down here because of how immense the pressure is. Wow. Like it would squeeze you and you'd pop like a tomato. Yeah. It's very wow. uncomfortable. Have they ever, have, have they gotten to the bottom or do they have to stop? So funny that you ask. Yeah. In 1875, the Challenger mission was the first time mankind dared to simply measure the depth of the trench. Uh, So this is pretty impressive for so long ago that they were able to use weighted sounding ropes to analyze the depths. They basically just sent like a big anchor down until it wouldn't go anymore and then used the weighted sound to measure how far down it was. And then in 1951, the HMS Challenger 2 used an echo sounder, which is a lab instrument, to look at the depth and the topography of the water in the trench using sonar. Okay. So in each of these cases, tools were used and mankind didn't explore the depths. But okay. that all changed in 1960 when James Picard and Navy Lieutenant Donald Walsh used a Navy submersible to get to the actual depths. So they went to the Challenger Deep. Okay. And after five, it took them five hours just to get down there. The pair were only able to spend 20 minutes at the bottom and they wow. were unable to take any photographs due to all of the clouds and silt that wow. had moved around during their passage like it was extremely dangerous wow yeah however just before going back up their floodlight illuminated a creature that picard thought was a flatfish the fact that a a flatfish basically one of those fish that lay on its side and both of his eyes are on one side okay a fish down there like we were told, Mike, only microscopic organisms can live down here. And he saw something. And he saw something. I don't think it was a fish. <laughs> that was the only time people have ever gone down. And that was in the 60s. Why, why wouldn't you not- do that more? It's. It, I think. I think they're genuinely too scared. I think it's. Yeah. It's literally that they can't find anybody to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I blame them for being scared because let's just think of the things we found in the abyssal zone, right? Not in the hadal zone, which is like the deepest part, just the abyssal zone. Mm-hmm. Like we have found 
some giant things like let me pull up some more more things well if they'll load you have a japanese spider crab i no <laughs> they're super gross because i hate them spider gosh Here we go. Sorry, it's taking me a minute. Like this thing. It's freaking huge. Ew. How big is it? Like what's the scale? Gross. Like these things. No. Yeah. What's yeah, it they're, doing? They're gross. Oh, yeah. it's molten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's multi like that that body is like as big as my torso what yeah <laughs> they're huge look at how huge they are they are yeah so sorry not gonna play that again because that was weird um uh, so that's just one big one let me pull up the, the giant it's super long and it's like super long sorry my computer is running crazy slow right now i have too many things open here's the ore fish like this was That's thought to not exist somehow it came to, like oh the scale is crazy here picture this will help with that's the scale that's one ore fish <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> Yeah. So that lives in the abyssal zone. And then we get to my favorite one, which is the giant squid. You guys saw me post this picture earlier. Like it's holding a normal squid. <laughs> like that's a normal squid, the little white squid, and that's a giant squid. These We've things seen. Are... Go ahead. Oh, we've it's seen nice them. Oh yeah. Wow. Because we've seen their marks on whales to to yep. know how big some of them are that that are down there. Yeah, because they have hooks on their arms, so they can do Creepy. some real damage. Yeah. Creepy, creepy. And then my last of its phantom jellyfish. And this was the cover photo for our episode. What made me want to do this episode? The phantom jellyfish just blows my freaking mind. Oh, if my computer will load it. There we go. Oh, so this is what? extremely huge. Its top is bigger than a school bus. What? Yep. This, and this lives in the abyssal zone. Why is it so big? Is it just that, like, because there's not much down there, things can afford to be bigger? So this brings up 
abyssal gigantism. So just definitionally speaking, abyssal gigantism is the tendency for deep sea animals, mostly invertebrates, to grow much larger in size than their shallow water relatives. And it helps, like you said, that um, there, there are fewer of them. And it helps that invertebrates don't have skeletons. So they're mo- right. primarily cartilage. You don't have to worry so much about bones having to hold up the whole structure. And a few phenomena have tried to explain it. So there's Keibler's ru- rule, which states that animals that are bigger general are generally more efficient. So a cat, for example, having a mass that is a hundred times that of a mouse will have a metabolism roughly 32 times greater than that of a mouse. So it's able to process its energy just better. And as a consequence of that, the animal circulatory systems are better. So it has a lot to do with surface area to volume ratio, uh, the way the blood vessels are working, huge animals swimming at the depths of the ocean rely on food to drop from above, right? Because nothing's growing down there and food is often very scarce. So they have to be really efficient at what they use. So that's Keibler's rule. And then there's Bergman's rule. <laughs> what do we got going on over here? <laughs> because there's not much down there. It can grow bigger. Happy living. <laughs> quote, end quote. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. So Bergman's rule is a little more shaky. It's a, it's a general correlation between increasing body size and with in- decreasing temperature. So populations and species of larger size are often found in colder environments. And we've seen this to be true because of the things that live in the Antarctic, especially way down deep. Uh, and species of smaller size typically live in warmer regions because for warm-blooded animals... This happens because the bigger you are, the less area you have in contact with the surrounding environment compared to your volume. Mm -hmm. Animals swimming in the sea, this is correlated to cell division and an increased lifespan. So you're just better at doing those things so you can be bigger. And so scientists claim that the inaccessibility of these abyssal habitats has hindered the study of the topic. But is it truly inaccessible? (laughs) <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe that. I find it hard to believe that. But you know, there there was one creature that was discovered today, and I saw it, and I, I like, it blew my mind even more than the phantom jellyfish. So okay. I have to pull up this picture. It's just, guys, it's going to blow your mind. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it so big. It's so big. <laughs> so horrifying your mom is so big (laughs) (laughs) oh man had to get one of your mom joke in there (laughs) i'm sorry i'm 12 you're not sorry (laughs) no i'm not sorry but guys these things are crazy yeah there's so much craziness down there I want to go and down. You know, I just want to go down somewhere. Yeah. Like the most I've done is free dived on a on a coral reef. That's it. That would be really cool. I would love to do any of it. I want to go scuba diving. I want to do free diving. I just want to see what's down there. And the cool thing is, is like oil rigs do a lot of drilling in the ocean and they have mm-hmm. cameras on them. Right. So they've picked up some weird things. So this is called the Magna Pina squid. I'm sorry, what? 
Look at that thing. Uh, uh, it looks like it. a freaking alien. I hate it so much. I hate that. It, it, it's it's the right angles for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the right angles. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Yep. So that was found by Shell. Um, and the last one is called Deep Star Enigmatica. This, I mean, all of it. It's just so weird. I'm sorry, my computer's running so slow. Come on, I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Mega what, squid? <laughs> <laughs> the magna penis squid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> that's what we okay. all thought you said. <laughs> That is definitely what I said. <laughs> what is Yeah. This? It's like a big sheet. They don't even know what it is. Oh. Yeah. So the question is, how do creatures survive to these depths? Like, th- this is all so crazy, right? And so... There's this theory that this molecule that is typically found uh, in these deep, deep sea creatures called trimethylamine and oxide, shortened to TMAO, is responsible for this. And it basically stops the water in your body from compressing, right? It acts as like a scaffold because one of the things that happens, like we talked about earlier, is the water in your blood gets compressed. So it makes it easier for the gases to dissolve in that. But if it gets compressed too much, now you're making a solid, right? And that that can be extremely painful, extremely dangerous. And that's something to be concerned about, right? It's very harmful to you. And it's not happening in these creatures because of the TMAO, right? It's acting on this, as the scaffold to prevent the water molecules from sitting on top of each other. And it's even more crazy because if you have too much of this TMAO and you try to come up to a higher surface, now the water in your body is too rigid. So everything is just finely tuned at just the right way and just the right perception to keep you living. To keep these creatures living. I mean, guys, God is just so crazy creative. Uh, it blows my mind every single day to think about how crazy creative he is. So those are all the creatures I wanted to talk about. And now I want to talk about, about some sounds because there have been some really mysterious and strange ocean sounds that have happened across the world. Have you heard some strange ocean sounds before, Abby? Um, other than whale song, I'm I'm not thinking of anything off the top of my head. So there have been some, shall we say, unexplainable sounds. Okay. So the first one and the most famous is called the bloop. The bloop. <laughs> the bloop. So I'm going to play it for you. Bloop. okay yep it's just a blue (laughs) where is this recorded it was recorded in 1997 using hydrophones that were placed all across the pacific ocean and it was detected 
3,000 kilometers apart in different locations simultaneously. It is considered the loudest sound ever recorded in the ocean. But simultaneous. Yep. That's weird. It, it, well, it was so loud. It was picked up by all of these hydrophones. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. And so, you know, scientists like to explain it away and say, oh, it was just an ice quake, you know, an iceberg crashing into one another. But that was the loudest sound on, it was louder than a blue whale. What year was this? 1997. Oh, like two years after I was born. Okay. So that's the first sound. The next sound is called the upsweep. And so the upsweep is very interesting. I'll play it for you. It's creepy, right? What would you do? If- yeah. So that, it seems like like a video game sound to me. I don't know. Yeah. Is that one it continuous? Yep. It just keeps going like that. So that was picked up by the Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory uh, in 1991. And the source level was, again, high enough to be recorded very, very far away. And apparently it's seasonal. So it reaches peaks in spring and autumn and disappears during summer and winter. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yup. <laughs> they d- they don't know what causes it. Again, it's ice quakes or icebergs crashing into each other. Uh, some say it's underwater volcanic activity. Uh, and the crazy part is the actual volume of the sound has been declining since 1991. So it started out at its highest point and has been going down in volume. So you're telling me there's a sound in the ocean that resonates with the stars. Mm. And it's declining. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> That's not unsettling at all, right? Then we have the train. Sounds like a train. I don't hear anything. Do you know? Oh, am I not sharing sound? My bad. I will. I will figure this out, guys. There we go. Right now. Salt-Zilla Soul Train. This is, this is more similar to whale song. Yeah. Yeah, they have talked it up to being whale song. Um, Maybe there's was, another blue, another whale that's ooh. on a, another weird f- frequency. Right. That would be interesting. Because I guess one of the theories about that whale is that it's a genetic abnormality, that that right. it's not a separate 
a species, but that it's it's just a uh, right disability, basically. Mm. That would make more sense. All right. And then the last sound I want to share with you is called Julia. And I think this is the creepiest of the sounds. And I think that it's creepy that they gave it a woman's name. Okay. last 15 seconds but it's just unsettling to me it's weirdly verbal right that's what's creepy about it yeah yeah so that was recorded on march 1st 1999 by noah and they said that the sound was most likely you guess it, a large iceberg that had run aground off of Antarctica. But remind me what NOAA stands for again. The National Ocean, uh, here, let me, I'm so used to calling it NOAA. I know how, the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the ones who do a lot, uh, almost all of the ocean research. If there is any to be done. It's interesting symbolically that they would choose that name. Right. Yeah. I, I couldn't find a source as to why they call it Julia. But it's it's a weird sound and it's creepy. And those are only the sounds we know about. And this is the thing I want to come back to every single time, guys. There's so much that we don't know. There's so much we could know. Look at all the things we do know. And I couldn't even talk about all the things we do know because we'd be here for a thousand years. There's just so much left for us to learn. So much left for us to discover. And I just wish people were more interested in learning at what is here on planet earth. Yeah. So I think this is probably where we will cut off for our audio listeners, go into the bonus segment, do some chats, maybe talk some water puns and just kind of hang out and maybe talk about some underwater cities like the Yonaguni complex and some other crazy, mysterious phenomenon. Thank you guys so much for joining us and listening today. I do have uh, a few fun special announcements. So we finally have Quirks of Creation merch. In the shop, I'm so excited. We have this really cool t-shirt that looks like planet Earth. Um, So if you guys want to pick up some merch, support the show, please go do that at hawkhoundmedia.myshopify.com. The link should be in the chat. Or if you just want to support the show, go to our solo page. We'd really appreciate it. I know we're not on Rumble as much tonight, but please definitely check it out. Uh, We really appreciate it appreciate it we appreciate you guys so much for joining us tonight even though we're not on rumble uh it really means a lot to us i know it means a lot to elise even though she's not here it means a lot to me that you're here tonight abby thank you so much for joining me tonight thanks for having me it's been super fun and next week elise is going to talk to us about sodom and gomorrah the ancient (gasps) evil that one's going to be good i'm really excited for it and how it's in the it's, it's it's in the bottom of the dead sea I don't know. She hasn't told me. 
what she's going to talk about, but that, that could be cool. And uh, we're picking back up on Lit on Tuesday. So I'm going to be joined by Tom from America Floats. And we're going to talk this song yes. really in. So we got to get our monthly episode of Lit in. So big stuff coming up next week. Hope to see you guys there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Please don't go away if you are here on video because we're going to hit our bonus segment. See you guys then. <laughs>